is Hollywood trying to bring chain smoking back? Welcome to Two Takes on Film. This is Heather. I am joined, as I always am, by the great counter himself, Wyatt Croy. Hey. <laughs> he's just, uh, he's I'm been such a great counter. He's been really busy counting all, all oh, the things. Yes. All the things. Counter. I was thinking like tabletop, like counter, oh. <laughs> like kitchen counter. Oh. That feels odd. I don't know. <laughs> An odd thing for me to call you. Um, well, that that changes <laughs> that changes what I was just saying. But, anyways, hi everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. Congratulations if you're listening. This is our thirtieth full length episode of season two. Thirty. Can you even believe it, Wyatt? I can actually yeah we recorded <laughs> quite a bit quite a bit and you know as we are celebrating um the other thing that we have to celebrate is that we have officially been recording for one year you all have not uh, been listening to us for a year <laughs> when we released our first episodes in March of this year, uh, we had already been recording for a few months mm-hmm. and um, we started, had our to, first- uh, To varying degrees of success. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, to this date, you have not heard what we have initially, what we had initially recorded a year ago. And if um, all goes as planned, you, you never, never will. will. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was interesting and I'm excited to go back and listen just for memory's sake. Um, but it is special to just celebrate that we have officially been at this for a year. Uh, we have watched some amazing movies. We've had a few guests. Um, we have just had some laughter and some good times, and we're just really grateful that you guys are here with us. So Mm. this week for our 30th episode, um, we're going to chat a little bit about Christmas because Christmas is right around the corner, uh, coming up this week. But then after that, we have three great movies to review for you today. Um, we are going to be reviewing Spider-Man. Far- no Way Home. No Way Home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, no Way Home. Uh, West Side Story and Nightmare Alley. So hopefully you've seen a few of those if you're here and listening. If not, hopefully you will see them Yeah. <laughs> at some point. Um, But before we get into all of that, like I mentioned, Christmas is just a few days away. And I just want to know, Wyatt, are you ready? Are you ready for Christmas 2021? Oh, no, never. Never ready. I'm not ready for Christmas 2020 yet. I still, has that, did that happen already? It did actually. Oh my, what? When? Did you, did you miss it? What? They should really alert people more of when these things are going to happen yeah can we just do it on the same day every year just to make it easier for everyone yeah they yeah they they do that actually do oh yeah 
Okay. It's like, it's kind of no, everywhere. No, this. I don't think so. Cause I've only, I've only done like three of them. I think in my, in my life. And right? you, how old are you again? 20, 24. Am I 24? Yeah. You've yeah. done it. You've done a few more than three. Have I? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just a blur really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the Croy household, the way we do holidays, you, you don't lock them out of your memory. <laughs> 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 no um i i actually am fairly ready for christmas this year i've got the people that i need to get presents for yeah. i have gotten presents for of course i love giving christmas gifts mm. i really really do mm-hmm. um and so i i i never like at the point where i feel like oh i'm done like christmas yeah. isn't a week from today or a week from yesterday, whatever it was like, I'm done. Cause I'm like, well, what if something comes up? Like, what if I want to get this other person, this thing, mm-hmm. I'm a very like spur of the moment. I see something that just seems like it'd be a perfect gift. And yeah. even if it's someone that I'm like, not that close to, I'm like, I mm-hmm. have to get this person a Christmas gift now. Yeah. Um, so maybe that'll come up in the next week, but in terms of my family, mm-hmm. you know, for, I have three sisters and mm-hmm. I'm the only boy, although now there is a brother-in-law involved so there's there's five of us kids Mm -hmm. we all get my parents a gift like we each get my my mom and my dad gifts yeah and then amongst the five of us we used to get everyone one gift but now we do like a secret santa amongst five of us just because now there's five of us it's pretty expensive um and we're adults so it's like you our gifts are a little bit more expensive so Mm -hmm. rather get one person a, a decent like 30 40 dollar gift uh than four people ten dollar gifts kind mm-hmm. of thing. so the sister not to give it away although she knows that i have her um <laughs> the sister that i have for my secret santa i've already gotten her gift it is in arizona where she lives all wrapped and everything by wow. our family friend yeah we have a family friend down there who we ship them to like my oh, mom and stuff uh-huh. and then she like does the wrapping for us and oh, brings fun. them over at christmas eve <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then I have my gifts for my parents all lined up. So mm-hmm. all that kind of necessary stuff for Christmas morning, I've mm-hmm. checked off the box. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of funny every year. Some of my sisters, they don't want to know who has who, you yeah. know, yeah. I don't want to know what people got me. Like I, I get it. I like the surprise. I, I don't want the people who I got gifts to know what I got them, but I don't mm-hmm. mind knowing who it is. Sure you know, knowing that like Lauren is the person who's getting me a gift mm-hmm. doesn't bother me. Cause I don't know what she's getting me. So yeah. it could be totally different depending on the year or like yeah. what she finds or whatever. But this year, Sam, her husband has me Ooh. and how I knew that he had me, I guess, yeah. before anyone ever told me is because I'm pretty bad at getting together a Christmas list. And the girls all claim that I'm very hard to shop for. So mm-hmm. every year we start a group chat in the family yeah. and we say, everyone send their Christmas list. Yeah. And most of them do throughout the next few days. And I don't for like sure. three weeks, you know, because <laughs> um, we start that back like at Thanksgiving. Yeah. And during those three weeks, I get 10 texts a day from them saying, send your Christmas list, send your Christmas list, send your Christmas list, please send yeah. your Christmas list. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I will. I will. I will. And I never get around to it. Mm-hmm. This year we had that initial text. Lots of people sent theirs. And no one ever bothered me about it again. Hmm. And I was like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder who has me then. And I'm pretty sure it's just Sam. And Sam's the type of guy that I think he doesn't really care. I mean, like, maybe, but like, he probably just had in his mind, like, oh, yeah, if I get Wyatt, like, I'd get him this kind of thing. And that's yeah. what he wants to get me. And that's yeah. that. It doesn't really yeah. matter what my list looks like or whatever. Hmm. 
and that's more so more so what I'm like as well with my sisters. Like they can send me their Christmas list, but I don't really want to get them a specific sweater that they asked for. Huh? You know, like they're adults. They have a job. Go get the sweater yourself. <laughs> like the point of a gift is that I choose it for you. So I'm going to go choose what I want to get you. <laughs> Does that sound selfish? It's a little funny. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, it's just like, that's no fun. Like I love sure. giving gifts sure. and I love giving gifts that people don't think that they're going to get. Yeah. And if I can relate that to like my relationship with them and stuff, Mm -hmm. that's all the better. Yeah. And so when people like now that we're adults, you know, like if I have a very specific pair of shoes that I want, I will just go buy myself a pair of shoes. No, I totally get it. So, so I don't need, I, if my sister is going to buy me a pair of shoes, I want her to buy me a cool pair of shoes that she finds that she thinks, Mm -hmm. wow, I really think these are cool, but I also think why I would think they're cool, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that has happened. And, and most of the gifts, I like to say that I have pretty good taste. And most of the gifts that I get my sisters, I think they, they end up really enjoying, yeah. even if it's not what they like initially expected. Yeah. Yeah. So That's I want them to enjoy giving me gifts. So I'm yeah. not going to like, I think that's why I don't send lists like they do like very yeah. specific lists. Cause I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, uh, do you guys have any Christmas traditions that you're looking forward to? Um, we always open one gift on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. We usually go to like a Christmas Eve service at okay. church yeah. and then we come home. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were kids, we would go to my grandmother's, my dad's mom mm-hmm. and dad's house. <clears throat> um, and then we would come home kind of late now. We don't really do that. Um, we just usually come straight home or we go like Christmas light looking or something like that. Mm. And we always open one gift on Christmas Eve. And lo and behold, it somehow is always a new pair of pajamas. Hmm. So I didn't know crazy. you were going to say that. Yeah. Um, which I feel like is something that a, a, a lot of families do yeah. or like do something similar. But we, I mean, we do it to this day and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't wear pajamas, you yeah. know, like yeah. I wear them that night. Yeah. Well, not even really. I put them on in the morning <laughs> when we go sit out in the living room and open yes. presents because they're like um, full on like yeah. pajama pants and usually yeah. like, a, like a shirt and stuff. And that just I'm a very warm sleeper. That's too much. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> um, and but we still we still do that. And then they they promptly sit in my drawer. Mm hmm for yeah. years i yeah. just have a drawer that is full of like the stock now that i'm like relatively the same size i've been for the past five years or whatever yeah it's just all of them like, yeah just in a drawer yeah a couple of years ago macy working with my grandma made us each pajamas which was which oh was my fun. gosh like she she sewed together some pajama pants for me wow that kind of thing and they're really nice and soft and all that and they are wonderful but like mm-hmm. i just don't <laughs> yeah yeah, well, you you have quite a selection on hand in case you ever yeah. go to a Christmas pajama party. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I definitely do. It's a good, it's wonderful. It's good to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my family has the same tradition of Christmas Eve, go to a church service, and then uh, we come back home and we make appetizers and just kind of eat food and Uh, We do get to open a gift, which is Christmas pajamas. I, I remember as a child, it didn't used to be that we genuinely used to get to pick a gift that Mm. we wanted to open. Um, 
But at some point it transitioned to being Christmas pajamas. I think because we got to open a gift and we also got Christmas pajamas. So eventually my parents were just like, okay, the Let's gift is now yeah, yeah. pajamas. Yeah. Um, but I'm the same way. I wear them that night slash to the morning when we open gifts. And that is usually it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year I really considered putting in a request for what I actually would want, maybe more of like loungewear or something like that, right. but I failed to do that. So mm. we'll see, uh, what happens this year. Um, so that's one of our traditions. And then, uh, in, on Christmas morning, we start with opening stockings and everyone opens their stockings at the same time. But then after that, when we go to opening gifts, we do it in age order. So Mm -hmm. youngest to oldest, you open one gift at a time. Um, there are a lot of us now, so it takes a really long time, uh, but it's a lot of fun. So we do, we do the same thing. We usually will sit in a quote, random circle. And then just once we find that pattern, just go in that circle. But Mm -hmm. I feel like it's now become like the same circle every year. So it's, it's basically the same. Yeah. Um, I, I should submit requests to say like more pajamas that I might wear, like pajamas that are more so just sweats that maybe I could wear not as pajamas or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we were kids, the pajamas were like little kids pajamas, but they were each individual. Like I Mm -hmm. might get Spider-Man pajamas while Macy got unicorn pajamas or whatever. But the older we've gotten, it seems like the more my mom has leaned into like matching sets for us all. Yeah. Almost as like kind of leaning into like the joke of it, the fact that none of us are going to really wear these again. So we'll, we'll get like toy story ones where we're all like toy story related or, uh, or like polar bear ones where each, like the shirts have little polar bear, like puns on them and stuff. And it's like, this is cute and all, but (laughs) she usually leaves the tag on in case they don't fit, which I'm like, it literally, it doesn't matter if they fit or not. Like I'm not going to wear them again regardless. (laughs) Secondly, I can see on the tag, like, look, their money, they spend it how they want to, but like a set of pajamas can be kind of spendy. They're totally. like 25 yeah. bucks. Yeah. I'm like I literally am never going to wear this. Just give me the don't, cash. No, don't eat, just keep the cash. <laughs> just, just save the money for you. Like, you know, mm. go get a, a meal or something like, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to wear these, but <laughs> Yeah, they love uh, it. It's and all for and I, that. I love it in a way too. I'd be sad yeah. if we, if we didn't do that. Totally. Yeah. Same. But also not, yeah. not for very long. <laughs> and then I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Let's go to yeah. bed. I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm going to Montana for Christmas. So mm. it's going to be nice and snowy and um, just cold and magical. So that is going to be delightful. And it's just right around the corner. So you leave in a couple of days. In a couple of days. Yeah. Wednesday. Tuesday. 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 I have one day of work left. I'm going to go in, pack up our office and I'm out of there. Not back until January. Wow. Yeah. So by the time you guys are listening to this, Heather is going to be in Montana. So uh, say your goodbyes now, really say this time with her. (laughs) Who knows? You will not hear from me again. (laughs) It's brutal up there in the wintertime. It's like a whole nother world. Yeah. Truly, honestly. Truly, I was gonna say genuinely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've never been, but it, actually, I have been. But oh, briefly. right. 
Yeah. Just like, yeah. Yeah. But uh, fun, fun. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah. So that's Christmas. We hope that you all have a Merry Christmas or a happy holiday, however you celebrate. Um, and yeah, cheers to the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. And we did it. We we're well, there's still a couple weeks left, technically. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Who knows what could so, happen? Yeah. Um, but thank you for just being with us this year. And we're so excited for the rest of what's to come in the next year. I'm pretty sure we have at least one more episode coming to you before the actual end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. We got more. So I should probably stop these remarks and save them for that (laughs) that episode. Uh, But Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Let's kick it over to some movie reviews. What do you say? I say that sounds wonderful. Awesome. Well, take it away. All right. So to start off, I'm going to be reviewing Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, this is a huge, huge movie in terms of the MCU. Definitely kind of the biggest and most hyped movie. Honestly, in terms of just like blockbusters, the biggest, most hyped movie since Endgame, probably Mm -hmm. a lot of like fan hype going into this. So much speculation, especially with COVID and how much it's been pushed back. Yeah. Just extra time and not even it being because it it wasn't supposed to come out till around this time. Anyway, it got pushed back a little bit. I think it was Mm -hmm. supposed to be during the summer. Um, Maybe I have that wrong. Maybe this was its initial slot. Either way, COVID just provided people more time on their hands to be sitting around like speculating about pulling apart trailers. We've had the trailer to it for a while now, for Mm. almost a year for people to pull apart every scene of it and all that. And like, really look and analyze because we knew there's going to be tons of reveals and fan service and all mm-hmm. this um going into it so mcu fans like they do were just eager to try to figure out the mystery before you know really yeah. ruin it for themselves sure. um and everyone else on the internet but <laughs> you know good for them honestly mm. i admire it in a way like some of the stuff that they they see and like pull mm-hmm. apart is like genuinely impressive it's totally it, it would require hours of like painstaking uh, watching these trailers and clips and reading into things so so mm-hmm. much and and really having a good understanding of like the lore and that kind of thing so good for them truly yeah. but yeah. um a lot of hype going into this movie undoubtedly you listening to this have heard about this movie mm. know that it just came out you have a friend um yeah. a sibling a, a whoever that's like yeah. a huge spider-man fan spider-man is like easily one of the most famous superheroes you basically got like Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man are kind of your top three. Yeah. Not nowadays with with Iron Man and Thor sure. and like the MCU, but I'm talking about like throughout the years of like comic yeah. books and superheroes yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, and especially with like younger audiences, Spider-Man was just like he's always been the um kind of uh little kid surrogate in these larger like superhero worlds. He's not, you know, little kids don't always connect with the dark grittiness of Batman mm-hmm. or the moral dilemmas of the man of steel, but they connect with like being your high school friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. And his issues have always been a little bit more uh, kind of grounded uh, mm-hmm. more. Yeah. I mean, to say common is like he deals well, with like evil scientists, with octopus <laughs> mechanical arms and stuff, sure. <laughs> but they're, they're more localized. They're kind yeah. of dealing in his, he's, he's from Queens. He's, or yeah, he's from Queens. Right. I don't, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he is. Um, they're kind of neighborhood. Yeah. Issues. I mean, yeah. and even within 
obviously his roles got bumped up a lot more being part of the MCU. I mean, he's mm-hmm. gone to space, he's fought Thanos, but like even within this trilogy in the MCU, mm-hmm. in the first one, you know, the bad guy was like an arms dealer, which, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't want to go off against an arms dealer, sure. but that's not like, that's not like a celestial God from another mm-hmm. planet. Like yeah. That's just yeah. like a guy in the neighborhood who is like, you know, doing illegal doing stuff, doing bad stuff, doing bad stuff. And Spider-Man was there to stop him. But yeah. because of that you have like people really have Spider-Man as a connection to their childhood and mm-hmm. it, and it doesn't leave grown, grown adults, like feel connected to Spider-Man mm-hmm. in kind of a childhood like way. And so I think it just brings out that kind of childlike uh, excitement in everyone when a new Spider-Man movie comes out, mm-hmm. um, no matter the age, no matter what. And so knowing that this movie had the potential to tie in 20 plus years of live action Spider-Man films Mm -hmm. into one kind of concept, it's understandable that this was just insanely, insanely hyped. Yeah. So the plot of this movie, basically at the end of the last film, Spider-Man Far From Home, which this is spoilers for that film, but if, you know, I'm going to try to do my best to not spoil anything in this review. It's uh, the film in question, Spider-Man No Way Home is basically all spoilers. Like the movie (laughs) itself is like 80% spoilers. Yes. Um, So I am going to try to do my best, but you know, if, if this is something you really care about, which I understand people like really do care about and you haven't had the chance to see it, just don't listen to any of this. Really. I would suggest, I would suggest not listening to anything from anyone about it until you Mm -hmm. have the chance to go see it. Yeah, of course. Um, But at the end of the last film, it is revealed to the public the identity of Mm -hmm. Spider-Man, which is kind of a unique thing in the MCU. One of the barriers that the MCU kind of broke a little bit is that there's almost no characters in the MCU that are hidden. Yeah. Like all throughout superhero films and superhero stories, it's always been a big thing that they hide their identities. Mm -hmm. But like literally the, like the first film in the MCU, Iron Man, the last scene in that film is him saying, I am Iron Man in like a press conference. Yeah. And since then the world has just known Tony Stark is Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Some of the other characters, it's a bit different. Like people know Thor is Thor, but Thor also lives on a different planet. So it's like, you can't find his address, but uh, (laughs) you know, like for the most part, like people just know who they are. Mm -hmm. And Spider-Man was really the only one that kind of kept to in the first few movies dealing with having secret identity because Mm -hmm. he was younger. He was still in high school. He wanted to be a normal kid. He had to keep that secret from, from his uh, friends and and family and all that. At the end of the second one, uh, it's revealed live broadcast to the entire world that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And that's where we're left off. Yeah. We then immediately uh, are with him the the moment that that happens at the beginning mm-hmm. of this film and see him see him deal with i mean immediate consequences to this yeah, yeah. It, it's it's within seconds that helicopters are swarming and mm-hmm. crowds are stirring and people know exactly where he lives because apparently you know you see a notification you on your do. phone that say that says uh spider-man is peter parker mm-hmm. and you're like i know where that guy I lives. Know where he <laughs> like, lives. you know and uh they're swarmed outside of his house and all that uh and then you know it, it, it kind of cuts to larger chunks of time, but we see him really struggle with dealing uh, with the fact that the world knows that he is Spider-Man and his mm-hmm. family and friends and loved ones are impacted by this in very negative ways as yeah. well. And so eventually he gets downtrodden enough with this 
life of his that has has developed with the world knowing that he goes to his friend dr strange which he mm-hmm. knows from working with uh, in the events of the two avengers films mm-hmm. um that he's been a part of and he says hey is there any sort of spell that could like go back in time you know mm-hmm. like we did in endgame and reverse that from happening yeah and dr strange says no but there is a spell we could do that will just make everyone forget that you're mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And when they are trying to do this spell, Peter realizes that he doesn't want everyone to forget that he's Spider-Man because he just spent two movies dealing with how do I let MJ, my girlfriend, know that I'm Spider-Man without scaring her and all this. Mm-hmm. How do I let my Aunt May, who's like my mom, know all this, my best friend. He just spent two movies going through all that. Yeah. He doesn't want all that work to be undone. And he tries to tamper enough with the spell that things go awry. It's very delicate. Mm-hmm. And they break open the multiverse. And if you know anything Oof. about the multiverse, it's been hinted out for like years within the MCU. But basically, it's it's the idea that there are millions and millions and millions of different universes out there, all with different versions of the same characters. So mm-hmm. for this movie specifically, Spider-Man, in each of those versions, there is a spider-man yeah and two years ago actually three years ago now 2018 a little movie called spider-man into the spider-verse an animated film Mm -hmm. not connected to any of these live action films came out and that dealt with exactly this and it was wildly popular and heather and i can both uh uh tell you that it's fantastic probably Mm -hmm. the best spider-man film to date one best animated picture at the oscars that year absolutely amazing people loved it And basically this movie, Spider-Man No Way Home is saying, hey, let's just cash in on doing that. But not only with live action, which people Mm -hmm. just enjoy seeing more than animation, but to use characters from already existing live action Spider-Man films that we've done in the past. If you know Mm -hmm. anything about superhero movies in the past 20 years, you know that we had the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films, which was three films from the span of 2000 to 2006. And then six years later, we got amazing spider-man 2012 and its sequel in 2014 and then that was scrapped and both those were unconnected mm-hmm. and then that was scrapped and in 2017 or excuse me in 2016 in captain america civil war we were introduced to the tom holland iteration of spider-man and so in this movie characters um especially villains from this current universe and past two universes mm-hmm. come leaking through the multiverse into our Tom Holland Spider-Man dimension. Yeah. Uh, and havoc ensues. Mm. I'm sure that none of you really like, I'm sure that all of you kind of knew all of that. I mean, it's basically all laid out in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess all that is to set up the fact that what we we're saying, like this movie is like 80% spoilers. <laughs> I don't really, I don't know how to talk about more than yeah. just that. Yeah, It has a ton of reveals, a ton of like really cool reveals, really big payoffs. I can tell you the theater viewing experience was mm-hmm. super, super fun. So fun. Something that I haven't had in a while, especially considering mm-hmm. COVID mm-hmm. and something that like this type of movie just brings out stuff in a crowd that other movies don't. There was cheering, like audible cheering and screaming, screaming and hooting and hollering and all yeah. that yeah. Uh, at like. 10 times during the theater, which, mm-hmm. you know, 
Spider-Man movies are never like haven't ever been my favorite movies ever, but I did grow up watching the Tobey Maguire ones um, and have been with the character for a long time. And just to feel other people's excitement towards that character is exciting. And it's, 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 it's fun to be a part of. Um, However, I think that this movie being 80% spoilers left only about 20% for, you know, being a good movie. And (laughs) I don't want to be too harsh because this movie never claims to be really anything other than that. It never Mm -hmm. claimed to be anything more than fan service and it delivered on the fan service. But I actually was taken aback by how weak I felt like the rest of the the movie was even compared to the two, the two movies leading up to this, which I didn't feel were perfect. I didn't feel like they were the best in the MCU, but I actually thought that this was weaker in terms of its action, uh, in terms of its storytelling, for sure. Even within the kind of emotional payoffs uh, that come from fan service or other spoiler-y things, I felt like they were executed really poorly. I wasn't a fan of some of the direction. Um, I was talking to Heather about this and something like Endgame, which I think did fan service basically perfectly. Mm -hmm. You can tell that John Watts, the director of uh, these three Spider-Man movies just doesn't quite have the craftsmanship that Joe and Anthony Russo do to be able to tie in fan service, a movie that is pure fan service into a genuinely good piece of storytelling. I, I didn't think that that was the case here. I was pretty disappointed by the film as a whole. I think outside of fan service, I would genuinely give this like a five. Hmm. Um, however, I thought that there was a couple of really remarkable action pieces. I, thought that there were some good set pieces um and overall it was plenty serviceable as an mcu film Mm -hmm. and all that added with the thrill of seeing these characters that you grew up with all together in the same world for the first time something that people didn't even think they were ever going to see until two years ago when this was announced um that was worth it that counter balances kind of the problems that i had with the rest of the story and ultimately like i said i know that that's not what the movie is there for it's Mm -hmm. not what it was trying to accomplish um so yeah problems with the film for sure but not what it was trying to accomplish and didn't take away from my enjoyment watching it in the Mm -hmm. theater just with the the kind of emotional payoffs and the fan service that it provided so I think that people are absolutely going to love, I know that people are currently loving it. Totally. I mean, everyone and their mom is seeing oh it. Gosh. I mean, I was in the yeah. theater later in the, I saw it opening night. Um, and then I was in the theater a couple times throughout the weekend at like, like Saturday at noon. Like I went to see Nightmare Alley at Saturday at 1220. And when I went in, the lines for concession were just like double what the ropes even provided. And when I left Nightmare Alley at three, or not three, but whatever it was, same thing, like just as packed. I mean, we have like 40 showings, even Heather and I were talking about like, I'm looking at the showings for no way home on like my theaters app. And I know how many theaters we have in the, in the actual theater. And I'm like, I don't even know how this is possible. Like, did you add more? The numbers don't, don't line up. They don't seem to line up, but somehow it's happening and everyone is like sold out. So yeah. Honestly, if you're listening to this, there's a good chance that you've seen the movie yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, if you, if, if, if you loved it, I don't want you to think that I'm sitting here saying that, like, I didn't 
sit there in that showing, feeling the same things as you feeling excited, cheering like this, that it was a ton of fun. I just, I, I can't sit here and say that I'm reviewing this movie without feeling like I need to address some pretty like glaring issues Mm -hmm. that the film itself has. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. What did you think about it, Heather? Um, yeah. So in preparation for this event, cause I'll, cause it feels like that. It feels like this was an event, mm, um, an experience, an experience for sure. Which if you have listened to some of our other reviews, you'll know that in this past COVID season, I took it upon myself to watch the Marvel movies for the first time. So I am new to the Marvel scene relatively. Um, and I have never been a part of a release, a Marvel release that, that has had the hype. I was not a part of this when Endgame was coming out or anything like that. I, so this is my first time kind of experiencing the hype. Did I feel the sense of hype that others felt? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I just don't think this is my, I don't, I don't think I'm a Marvel hyper, um, right. which is fine. Um, however, I felt like I wanted to be prepared for this just as I, you know, tried to be prepared by watching all the Marvel movies. When I watched all those Marvel movies, I did not watch any of the Spider-Man movies because they are not on Disney plus. And therefore, um, I had some catching up to do. I'm Mm. pretty sure now having seen them all, I had previously seen the first two with Tobey Maguire. I think I just saw those like as they came out because I was a teenager when those came out. Um, Well, yeah, you were like in your 30s. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Uh, So, no, I mean, those like, especially at the time, like when those came out, yeah, they were the only superhero movies coming out. And on top of that, besides the third, they were really good. So, (laughs) like, they were the third. He's goth (sighs) Spider Man. Yeah, emo emo people. So emo. But, you know, at the time they were insanely popular. Like I know MCU films are popular, but lots of people are like, I don't know if I saw that one because there's just so many that like, did I see that one? Did I see a different one? They're Mm -hmm. all the same, blah, blah, blah. But back then it's like, no, they they were like the Spider-Man movies. You know, you you saw them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, all of that being said, I spent this past week. I think I did it. One week? And I think I did it in a week. Goodness. Um maybe like a week and a half. Uh I watched all of them, all seven of them, um, leading up to this event. And I'm so glad that I did. Um, mostly just because I felt in the loop as things were appearing, as there were storylines that were referenced, different things like that. I felt like I knew what was happening. There was one reveal um the first reveal that mm-hmm. got a crowd response and i didn't know who that person was so i had to ask someone because because i i haven't seen that person <laughs> i can't really say much about hmm. it without saying who it was i don't really know what you're talking about but 
Okay. We can talk yeah, about we it can after. talk about it after. Um, so that was the first, like the whole theater erupted. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know who that person is. So then I was concerned that I had missed them at some point. Um <laughs> We we could okay. talk about it after. Okay. Um. Anyways, but the rest the rest of what came out throughout the movie, uh, it was just fun to feel a part of, and like mm-hmm. you said, it was just such a communal, fun viewing experience that makes me sad that I did miss out on some of those other like Marvel releases because it does just feel like such a a fun yeah. experience. So, um, yeah. As far as the movie itself goes, I think one of my bigger issues that I had with it is some of these villains that we get to see again. Um, The conflict and resolution felt like it happened too easily for me. And that, that felt a little unsatisfying. So um, yeah, I think, I think the best parts of this movie like you have said, are the fan service pieces um, that I did genuinely enjoy. I laughed, I cried, it was emotional, um, yeah. it was fun. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know that I ever have like the highest hopes and expectations for mm-hmm. movies like these, um, but I felt like it gave me what I wanted. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's funny when you, when you talk about like the resolution being too quick with some of these, every last entry in the previous Spider-Man franchises has always ran into like villain syndrome where Mm -hmm. they try to add too many villains. And usually this is a studio problem. The studio says we want to push, we want it to be, you know, more like the MCU, more like a universe. We want, we want fans to get to see all the classic, you know, Spider-Man villains that they love in this movie. Spider-Man three definitely suffered from that. You had mm-hmm. green goblin, Sandman, uh, and Venom all in one movie. Yeah. It was just like way too much, way too much screen, you know, time being taken up and you weren't able to develop the characters. Spider-Man two, even though they didn't know at the time it was going to be the last of the franchise definitely suffered from that as well. You had electro and green goblin, and Rhino in that movie mm-hmm. all in once. And so for the third supposedly, you know, final entry in this new uh this new Spider-Man trilogy, what do mm-hmm. they say? You know, to to make up for the mistakes of the past, they say no. We're going to literally get all of those villains get from the movies where they had too many villains and bring them here yeah. Yeah. right now. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh. But they actually did do it quite a bit better. However, because they're doing it in a more meta way, and in a way where no one's expecting these to be fully fleshed out. And you've already seen full movies with these exact iterations of these characters in them. So yeah. you already kind of know them too. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be fleshed out as much. Sure. And the resolution at the end, you can kind of accept it being a little bit quicker because that's mm-hmm. just kind of the nature of this version of that story. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Overall, I thought it was quite enjoyable. Yeah. Um, like I said, the it it's just parts of it are just heartwarming and emotional and emotional in not heartwarming ways and funny. Yeah, I just I enjoyed it. Definitely. I had a fun time. Definitely. Yeah. Fun time all around. <laughs> all right. 
Well, that is our review of Spider-Man No Way Home. It is in theaters everywhere. Your theater right next to where you are right now is probably showing it 12 times in the next 10 minutes. So there is no excuse. You can go see this and you should go see this. I mean, it is fun. More than likely you've seen the past Spider-Man movies or someone you know has seen them. It's a holiday season. Family is in town. Treat them. Treat your family to a nice little Spider-Man buffet. Yeah. Of all the all the spider guy characters. Yeah. Yeah. Spider guy characters. <laughs> um, I I don't know that any of my family will be listening to this before I see them before Christmas, mm-hmm. but everyone's getting movie gift cards because I just want to encourage that, you know? Yeah. Tis the season. Tis the season. <laughs> all right. You wanna hit us up with your review of West Side Story. Hit us up I, with your review. <laughs> I do. I do want to hit you up with my review of do West it. Side Story. Do it. Here we go. West Side Story. Um, this is the latest from the great Steven Spielberg. And um, you have probably heard of West Side Story before. It is, of course, an adaptation of the 1957 stage play, as well as the 1961 film of the same name. Um, If you don't know the story, West Side Story is the story. So many stories. Uh, West Side Story is the story of the Jets and the Sharks. (laughs) Yep, you got this. (laughs) Two rival street gangs in New York uh, that are comprised of different ethnic groups, uh, primarily kind of the white Americans who are largely, largely Irish, uh, and then the immigrant Puerto Ricans, and they are battling it out over their turf. It Mm -hmm. is their tough times in New York. Um, gentrification is happening and they are just trying to claim their turf in the midst of this great rivalry, a love story and a romance is birthed Mm. um, between Tony, who is on the side of the Jets, as well as Maria, whose brother is the head of the Sharks. Uh, Of course, this is a forbidden love story, and it's also a story of community pride, um, and of course, is a story of settling disputes through song and dance, as all disputes should be settled, um, as well as through some violence, (laughs) which (laughs) I do not condone but it happens condone Um, the dancing condemn the violence yeah yeah that's good wow that's a good line life motto uh i love this (laughs) and i would give it a solid um this is where ranking is difficult because i put it as as an eight and a half out of ten it could be higher than that i really loved it yeah it's really one of those things where like taste has to come into play where you th- this film is is very close to flawless to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. truly amazing yeah. however like musicals will never be mm. my favorite thing ever yeah so i have to like gauge how that's playing an effect on if i'm going to give it like a a, a yeah. concrete ranking or yeah. concrete number that's that's tough to do to kind of play Wait, all these I'm, factors i'm curious though because you have been quite vocal about how much you enjoyed this uh-huh but it's also not you're not typically a musical guy. Sure. So what would your ranking be or your score? I, I would give it a, <laughs> I would give it a eight and 
No, I'm not, I'm not going to do the same thing as you. I'd give it a nine. I truly would <laughs> give, give it a nine. nine. Okay. I would dock it half a bias point mm. on, you know, my personal bias. Not that I, I have nothing against musicals. I love musicals, sure. but other films are just going to be a little bit more of my forte. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then half on half a point on some genuine flaws that I do think it has, Sure. but there's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, well, going into Ugh. some, I don't like, I feel dirty. <laughs> I don't like it. ranking things. Yeah. Sorry. I know. I just, I'm just curious because yeah. you have, yeah, you've mentioned how much you loved it. Um, for some of the things that I personally liked, it really does have beautiful choreography. It felt so true to what I haven't seen the Broadway show of it, but what I would imagine a theatrical stage version of this would be, um, and was just so, just so impressive. There was one song in particular that felt very similar to In the Heights, which we reviewed earlier this year, and which I also really, really loved. Um, but even like the corner it's, it's this dance scene where there's a bunch of them in the middle of this intersection. Oh, and was it, it America? And maybe. Yeah. 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 Like they're mo- the most famous song from it. America. <laughs> sure. There are a lot of famous songs from this. No, okay. That's true. The one that <laughs> I'm forgetting her character's name. Um, Anita. Forgetting... Yeah. Is that the wife or the, not the, the wife, but the yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. The one that yes. she leads. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Correct. I, I, while watching that, I was like, is that the same intersection? Is that right. Washington Heights? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. And that is what I thought as well, that the, the placement of it, the dance, even the whole vibe of that scene yeah. felt very similar to in the Heights, which is actually funny be- and, and likely <laughs> that it could quite literally be the same intersection mm-hmm. um, because West Side Story and in the Heights were actually filming at the same time streets Mm. apart from each other. So I remember reading that during filming, Lin-Manuel Miranda actually went over a couple streets to like watch them um, as they were filming. Steven Spielberg, like, you know, watch the, Lin-Manuel Miranda didn't direct in the Heights, but like watch a a master at work. Yeah. 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 Like take notes. Yeah. 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 Um, Anyways, so that's just a little side note, but it genuinely, the dancing and choreography, um, especially the larger group pieces were, were just great and phenomenal. Um, additionally, the songs kept to the original songs, um, which again, were wonderful and just iconic. Um, the lyrics are done by Stephen Sondheim, who just passed away maybe like a month ago. Hmm. Um, and if another movie, uh, that represents his life actually tick, tick, boom, uh, which is on Netflix, um, also has just recently come out. So, uh, what a year to just kind of honor his work and his life. And, um, he unfortunately passed away just a couple days before the official release of West side story, um, Mm -hmm. which is sad always sad, but especially the timing of that. Um, but again, just so cool to see once again, his vision kind of come to life. Um, I read something that said that he prefers this version over the 1961 uh, movie version, which I think says a lot because that was a pretty um, critically acclaimed, uh, film. So, uh, yeah, just wonderful, wonderful songs, uh, and lyrics 
there. Um, this has a great cast and particularly in the supporting actor, uh, characters. Um, but to start Rachel Zegler is the main girl, Maria, and this is actually her film debut. She has a background in theater. Um, but this is her first go at film and, um, no doubt that this is very much only going to be the beginning for her. She was just felt like a total natural. Um, and obviously this is a great transition or gateway for her to film. Um, but even though her background is theater, I felt like she was a natural on the screen and just her screen presence. I believe she was just cast as Snow White in a live adaptation. Oh, cool. That's great. Um, opposite Maria is Tony, who is played by Ansel Elgort, and he, uh, I feel like there has been a lot of controversy around him and the choice of casting him. Um, I thought he was fine. I don't think he was bad. I think he has a great voice. He has a lovely Mm -hmm. voice. Um, And I think if anything, this showed that as well as his dance ability and it just feels like such a different um role for him however I felt like his at least his portrayal of Tony felt a bit flat to me and one-dimensional um and just kind of fell to the background in the midst of all these other great characters so he was fine I didn't have any major issue with him but um would have been interesting to see I don't know who else I would have wanted to see cast in his place but I feel like there probably could have been some different options that maybe would have made that role a bit more dynamic um but then we come to the supporting cast which was just incredibly strong so Rita Moreno plays Valentina and she was actually a part of the 1961 cast as Anita uh but she obviously is a bit older now. Um, So she comes back uh, to play Valentina, who is kind of Tony's um, mentor, protector, takes him in, gives him a home uh, and a job and wisdom. And um, she was just lovely. And I think probably a cool opportunity for her to come back to be a part of it um, in a different Mm way. Um, And then Ariana DeBose, plays Anita and she is the, I think she's technically the girlfriend, girlfriend or fiance of Bernardo, mm-hmm. who is Maria's brother. Um, and she, she was a show stealer for me. I felt like every scene that she was in, she was such a powerhouse and, um, felt even more leading lady to me often than Maria actually did. So, I really enjoyed her and just the presence that she brought. Uh, David Alvarez plays Bernardo, who is um, the leader of the Sharks, and he is appropriately strong and stubborn and protective of Maria um, and yeah, was a, a great leader in representing the Sharks. And then last but not least, Mike Faced. Yeah, I'm I don't not know if that's how sure you say, say his that. last name. Feist, Feist. Feist. Uh, he plays Riff, who's the head of the Jets and who also is Tony's best friend. Um, and he was another really strong one for me. I think I think my two favorites were probably Anita and Riff, um, yeah. just as far as 
just the presence that they had. And he obviously, as the leader of the Jets, plays a pretty significant role. But um, I just really loved his energy and his passion that he brought, um, especially opposite Tony, like Mm -hmm. in his interactions that he was having with Tony, because Tony felt so flat and kind of boring to me kind of felt like he was he was pulling the weight of the emotion a little bit totally interactions in their interactions yeah and he just he just outshined um so what's interesting is that everyone with the exception of Ansel Elgort have a stage background (laughs) so I think that is kind of an interesting piece to consider and possibly why Ansel Elgort felt the weakest to me, but, um, again, all around, just, just really strong. And that, and that goes out even from there, like there are other smaller supporting characters, uh, who were just really great. Yeah. I think, uh, that was one of my biggest problems with the film was, was Elgort's performance Mm -hmm. and he just lacks an intensity that Tony's character should have. There's Mm -hmm. such a, a tear in the middle of the heart of this character mm-hmm. between these two things that he wants so desperately to to fulfill kind of the promise uh, to his friends and his childhood and how he grew up and also this love for Maria um, that just didn't feel presence in yeah. this performance. Yeah, I think theater acting has such it has more of a, a immediacy to it. Mm-hmm. Is immediacy a word? Sure. Yeah where you don't get the moodiness that you're always able to get in films. I mean, there, there is music, there is production design, there is lighting, but you're not able to convey in more um, cold or kind of subtle ways mm-hmm. how your character is feeling. You need, to, you need to convey through everything, through your action, yeah. through your words, through everything right there, right now, yeah. exactly how your character is feeling. And just because this is now a movie, doesn't mean that you get to swap that out. It's presented right. very much like a play mm-hmm. and it is like faithful to the play in that way. Yeah. And the, the performances need to match that. And I think yeah. Elgort kind of maybe thought he could smooth his way by kind of suave, like be the suave guy and kind mm-hmm. of bring a more subtlety toward to uh, Tony's charm right. and his charisma that would translate into the love that he kind of had for Maria or the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the loyalty that he had to the jets, yeah. but it just didn't match the same level mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of intensity as the other, as mm-hmm. the other actors and just fell flat. Yeah. 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 Um, this is a very visually beautiful film. Um, it simultaneously feels true to theater and uh, to Broadway and to the time that it's set in, yet it also feels very updated and current. Um, it does that through just stunning cinematography and set design, as well as the costume design, um, which again, I would I would hope and expect all of that for uh, a film that is portraying a uh, theater. A classic play. A classic play. Yeah. yeah, classic play, a uh, classic show. Um, but I really do feel like it was captured so well. And just particularly with the lighting and coloring choices, um, there's one scene in a chapel where um, mm, Tony and mm. Maria are sitting, you know, like in front of stained glass. And just the way that the light and color 
comes through that stained glass onto their faces as they're like having this moment together was just stunning. Um, in addition to, yeah, there are countless scenes that just feel so visually poignant. Um, and I just really loved that. Um, and then last but not least, it was just so entertaining and engaging and just so fun to watch. And it is one of those that I am so excited to go watch again in the theater because it was just a blast. Me too. Um, it's when this was announced, sorry, had you wrapped up? Oh, that's it for my, my, yeah. Yeah. When this was announced that Steven Spielberg was, uh, directing an adaptation Mm -hmm. of West side story, I was, I never thought he would do a bad job. Steven Mm -hmm. Spielberg is one of the great directors of all time. Yeah. He's many, many people's favorite director of all time. Mm -hmm. He's never going to be my favorite director of all time. However, he's just one of those guys where it's like, he is truly a master of the craft and, and everything he makes, you can see that. Yeah. Um, so I never thought, Oh no, what if he, what if he totally butchers it? No, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to do a good job, yeah. but I just thought Steven, you know, bud, Steve, as I call hey, him, Steve. why waste your time? Hmm. Why waste our time? Hmm. It's, it's one of the most famous plays of all time. Sure. Followed up by a near perfect film adaptation. I mean, the 64, I can't remember what year it is. I think it's 64. 61. 61 adaptation is like regarded as one of the best play adaptations of all time. Yeah. A, a near perfect movie. It won yeah. best picture. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was fantastic. I, mm-hmm. I've seen the movie. I, I love it. To this day, it holds up. So why, you know, why? Why mm-hmm. you, you're getting older. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you're knocking on death's doorstep, but like, who knows how long you want to direct for some people mm-hmm. don't want to direct to, you know, not everyone's Clint Eastwood. So, sure. you know, maybe you want to wrap things up soon. Mm-hmm. Why waste your last couple of movies with us on this adaptation? And I can, you know, very excitedly tell you that it's not a waste of our time. Hmm. It's absolutely wonderful. It yeah. truly is. Yeah. It, it is, it is just as good, if not better in some ways than mm-hmm. the 61 original and yeah it's just it's absolutely stunning it's fantastic it's just a magnificent film you can't take your eyes off it Mm -hmm. if you if you think that you're not into musicals or something like that i'd really encourage you to go look at it and just let get caught up in the story it's a story that nowadays just seems silly it's a pair Mm -hmm. of kids who meet and in a single day they're like you know in Mm -hmm. love wanting Mm -hmm. to run off together Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter. You're sold on it. And it's, it's just truly, truly joyous and yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, it's, it's another one that like, this is the movie that I would want to, to go take my family to see this holiday mm-hmm. season. Oh, for totally. sure. For yeah, sure. It just, it's lovely. Everyone yeah. can get behind it. Yeah. It's so, it is so good. I don't think he wasted anyone's time. And I think he knew exactly what he was doing. And, and it was really kind of a love letter to, to him, his father, who was really into yeah. musicals and really loved the original. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a beautiful, emotional, touching film yeah. and an incredible ride of visuals and spectacle and, mm-hmm. and color and dance mm-hmm. uh, along the way. So yeah. I would definitely encourage going and seeing it in theaters. Yeah. Um, when I said that I was done, I didn't mean I'm done completely. That was just with the things I liked. Oh. Well, 
Tear it down. I just didn't want you to move on too quick. Um, I will say that I have not seen the 61 version and I have not seen the theatrical version of this. So this is truly outside of, I surely have heard some of the songs before you have likely heard some of the songs before it's very, very popular and iconic. Um, but this is truly my first kind of, uh, entry into the West side story world. Mm -hmm. Um, so going into some of, some of these next points, I don't know how true this is to the 61 version or the, the, the theatrical version. Um, however, my first qualm with this Tony and Maria's love story. It just happened so fast (laughs) and, uh, and it felt like there was a lot of commitment, um, for the amount of time that they had actually spent together. And maybe that's just a portrayal of young love. Um, this is a story based off of Romeo and Juliet and, um, you know, I get that. I get that. However, Maria hardly knows this guy. And there is a moment where something tragic happens. You could say that maybe uh, Tony has betrayed her in the deepest sense that he possibly mm-hmm. could. And yet she she immediately forgives him and uh, and continues to pursue a future and a life together with him, not like she only slightly scolds him yeah a little bit and then it's just like oh all right we're moved we've moved on from that and let's yeah. continue to pursue our romantic love together they sleep and together like they do <laughs> yeah. uh after <laughs> something very tragic has happened yeah. at tony's hands you know and and that what can feels- i tell you heather <laughs> love is blind ing yeah, it Blinding. just it just felt like I wanted to yell at Maria for <laughs> the decisions that she was making. Um, so again, I know that I can't take it too seriously. Uh, but I think part of this also comes down to the fact that I really just didn't feel the chemistry between Ansel Elgort and Rachel Ziegler um, and their characters, Tony and Maria. Um, and I don't know, it yeah. was fine, but it wasn't, it wasn't as passionate or believable as I felt like it needed to be for the depth of what was actually happening. Um, so I think I just, I just wanted more from that. If they're going to run away together, I want to believe that they actually love each other. Yeah. Um, and I didn't always believe that. Yeah. The last point, um, which is like a, a positive and also a hard point, um, is so Steven Spielberg very strategically, uh, one of the changes that he made as he made this movie was that he cast completely Latino characters for the Latino roles. Mm -hmm. Um, and because of that, he also wanted them to speak in Spanish for 
a good portion of uh, some of their characters' roles, and he chose not to put subtitles on it. He felt like he wanted to be authentic to the story, authentic to their characters, and he felt like, well, one, apparently he doesn't like subtitles. He feels like they're distracting. Um, But secondly, he felt like putting English subtitles on it would uh, prioritize English speaking experience. And he didn't want to do that. He wanted to truly honor this Latin experience, um, which again, I appreciate that. I love that. I love that that was one of the major changes that he made from uh, some of the not so correct casting, maybe of the last film. Um, However, as someone who does not speak Spanish, uh, it definitely takes you out of the film at times. There is a a large amount of Spanish spoken throughout the video or the video, the film. Um, And so if you know the story, I feel like maybe there, maybe that is an easier experience for you. I don't know. You've seen it. I actually am going to disagree with you. I really liked this. I like that. I have similar views uh, towards subtitles as yeah. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, you know, I think with, with foreign films or something, it's a little different where the entire sure. film sure. is in another language. It makes sense. But just like the way people enjoy watching subtitles with like mm-hmm. films where they Normal. speak that language. Yeah. I get it. It's a trend, like whatever. I'm not going to tell you how to watch movies. Personally, yeah. I would just rather them not in my frame. You know, yeah. if I can hear it well, then I don't want yeah. them there. Yes. Um, However, in this movie, I really like that there weren't subtitles for the Spanish speaking parts. One, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, there are large portions, but it's not like 50% of the film. No. You know? Yeah. It, 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 most of it is in English. And then also, like, because it's a play, mm-hmm. the staging of the characters, the mm-hmm. choreography of not just the dancing, but their actions yeah. as they talk to one another and interact with yeah. one another. And just the, like, like I said, the immediacy, if that's a word of their performances gives all the context, you need. context, totally. you know, I I didn't need to know exactly what they were saying because I was so caught up in the motion of the performances and the motion of the story that I just felt exactly what they were trying to convey, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It also helps that I'm I'm fluent in Spanish. So sure. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I I don't speak any Spanish (laughs) and uh, like truly. Yeah. I didn't understand what they were saying. Like word for word. Yes. You know, I, I know like a few words, but word for word, I didn't know what they were saying, but I knew what they were saying. And yeah, like just as in dance, they use their body to convey emotion Mm -hmm. the same way. This film is like a giant dance Mm -hmm. and all of the conflict, all of the resolution, all of the reunion and, and, and friendship and loyalty and trust and this and that, and everything Mm -hmm. is all communicated through body language, through choreography, Mm -hmm. through character, you know, staging and camera movement and everything. And you, it could almost be a silent film, um, which I think is like kind of the old school style approach that he took to making this, which is why he didn't need to subtitle it. And I actually yeah. really appreciated that. So I, yeah. I understand what you're saying, yeah. but I disagree. I like that yeah. decision a lot. It only comes from me wanting to know more fully what they are saying and talking mm-hmm. about. I don't disagree with you. I think that context, the context clues that were given don't, I didn't ever feel lost or like I 
totally didn't know what was going right, on, right, right. but there are conversations that happen between people that you're like, Oh, I like, I don't get to be a part of like you, you are a part of it. Cause you're watching it happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's hard. It's just hard. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so. hard to interact with people who don't speak the same language as you. Totally. Just like, you know, in the movie, there's conflict with people who are different. From, no, no, I'm not. I'm not being I'm not being facetious no, I know. right now. I know. I'm saying like, you know, yeah, the movie is very much about people in conflict because there are differences yeah, between different. them. Like, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> even on a basic level, just not yeah. being able to understand what someone's saying is like what stems a lot of these mm-hmm. conflicts or feelings or disconnects. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's it for my, my -hmm. list of, uh, dislikes. I genuinely just really enjoyed it. Such a fun, a fun experience. I, even the, the scene in the police station, that was a blast. Oh, that was my favorite musical number number. besides America. I think that was my favorite. It was so fun. And and even the things they're talking about are some of the most problematic of the script. Like the, the stuff that I was like, hmm, how are they going to adapt this to 2021? Yeah. yeah. But was so fun. What so a blast. fun. So energetic. Yeah. So yeah, a blast. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's truly a magnificent film. It's made by someone who is a master of cinema mm-hmm. and you feel that in every frame and every, in every moment of the film. So yeah. go see this movie. Yes. You won't regret it. Yes. All right. We've got one more. Woo. Not two takes on film today. It's three takes on film. It's still two takes. <laughs> two takes on two three of, films. Two, <laughs> two takes <laughs> on three films. Uh, yeah, we've got a big one. We had, we've explained this, but we had some technical problems last week. We kind of lumped some together. Plus, it's Christmas. We just feel like giving you a little more this week. So Merry Christmas. And here's a little bonus gift. My <laughs> review of Guillermo de Toro's latest film, Nightmare Alley. Woo. Nightmare Alley stars... Bradley Cooper as Stan Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yeah. I I don't do a good job at prepping. Like <laughs> I feel like you prep your reviews a lot better. You have all the names like lined up and everything. I'm like, yeah, I'll remember it. And then I go to talk. I'm like, no, what was that person's name? Was yeah, it? I don't think I no, but I am um, correct. It is Stan Carlisle. Yeah, you nailed it. He is a a young carny. Uh, well, not at the very beginning. He's a young man running away from a, a pretty troublesome mm-hmm. upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he runs into a, a traveling carnival um, and finds work with them. And while there, he lives with a, a uh, like a medium, a fortune teller kind mm-hmm. of woman mm-hmm. and her husband, who is a mentalist. A mentalist would be someone at a carnival who would turn around and tell you what you have in your hand, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like tell you you're holding your pocket watch or that you have your wallet in your left pocket or, or, or that kind of thing. And while living with them, he learns the trade of mentalism and kind of fooling these people that you have this uh, supernatural psycho psychotic power. Mm, is that the right word? Yeah. Psych- psychoanalysis psychic. power psychic yeah yeah just psychic yeah. <laughs> just end the word sooner psychic power uh but really it's all just an illusion using an elaborate system of words and keys and clues with your partner in the in the act to kind of trick these people mm-hmm. um once he falls in love with a beautiful girl who uh, is played by Rooney Mara also working at the carnival they decide they're beyond the carnival they should head to New York City and take their kind of two-person mentalist act 
uh, on the road there and find better success. Bradley Cooper, Stan, is obviously someone who yearns for a bigger and better life. At every moment, he's kind of wanting what's in, you know, what's next. He's wanting more for him and for uh, Rooney Mara's character. Uh, and then once there, he kind of runs into a local doctor, a psychiatrist played by Kate Blanchett, uh, who they form in a very uneasy alliance. They seem to want the same things. They seem to both kind of want bigger and better and to kind of use their mental tactics to for like self-gain. However, she's also really the only character in the film that seems to be mentally on par with him. Everyone else, he kind of like train rolls over because he's really good with his words. He's good with kind of fooling people. He's someone or she is someone that kind of stops and Dennis tracks and they form this alliance where there's there needs to be an incredible amount of trust between the two of them. But there also feels like there's just this constant game going on between them where we as an audience aren't entirely sure of exact motiv- mo- motivations between the two characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, with her, they form a plot to scheme a wealthy businessman in New York City and things continue from there mm. first of all holy production design this yeah. movie is holy production design holy cinematography yeah holy editing yeah it's gorgeous i mean Stunning. first of all like you have the backdrop of 1940s new york city mm-hmm. a a a dark and mysterious carnival uh you just have these amazing set pieces and the mm-hmm. the, the, the production design is just absolutely phenomenal and yeah. and del toro knows this he knows how to craft these beautiful uh gothically dark but gorgeous worlds mm-hmm. and and he and it's a long movie it is a little too long at times for its mm-hmm. own good however when he chooses to you know make every shot linger an extra five seconds i don't blame him because it's yeah. just like it's just a sight to behold so of Pretty course why would you, yeah yeah why wouldn't you do that mm-hmm. um yeah absolutely amazing i mean if this doesn't at least get nominated for production design, it'll be an actual crime against humanity. Yeah. Um, so just just phenomenal on a technical level. I mean, Del Toro is a masterful filmmaker. He's mm-hmm. been doing this for a long time. He knows exactly what he's doing and he delivers here. Uh, what's interesting about this movie is it's something that he's never done before. This movie, while it deals with the illusions of supernatural, with the illusions of psychic abilities, uh, with how that toys with people's emotions and uh, kind of depravity of mankind when they're stripped away and they feel like they're experiencing something that maybe they're not fully experiencing. Mm-hmm. Even though it deals with all those illusions, they are just that illusions. This movie is completely grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Everything else that he has made is a yeah. supernatural film. Yeah. Some straight horror films, some large uh, sci-fi epics, some superhero films, some romances, set with a specific supernatural kind of sci-fi twist, but they've all included very much uh, supernatural elements. He is known as like the monster guy. He loves crafting these gorgeous monster looking creatures for all his films. He did, of course, the the best picture winning Shape of Water, Mm -hmm. as well as Hellboy series, uh, Pacific Rim, Pan's Labyrinth, Devil's Backbone. he's 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 the king of of monsters and yet this movie is is entirely grounded in reality yeah. um and it's really just a psychological thriller above all else 
uh, a giant game of cat and mouse for these characters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's somehow, at least for me personally, just as enthralling of any movies ever made where a mythological creature is present for half of it. Like I, I was, I was so wrapped up in this specific, specifically this one man story, but Mm -hmm. all the, all the, all the relationships that he has Mm -hmm. and the relationships, the relationships that he does have is with a cast that will blow your socks off. I'm just going to, I'm just going to read, read real quick. We've already said some of them, but Bradley Cooper, Rooney Mara, Kate Blanchett. Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins, Ron um, Perlman, Mary Sheenbergen, David Strathern, Holt, McC- Holt McCollany, Jim Beaver, Cliff Collins Jr., and Tim Blake Nelson. And even towards the end of the list, if you're like, mm, I don't totally recognize those, mm-hmm. they're actors that you know their face. They're supporting mm-hmm. actors. They're actually, a lot of them have been present throughout the Coen Brothers uh, filmography, yeah. and the Coen Brothers are, are kings of like really strong supporting characters. Yeah. They're these like, Actors that have been in the industry for decades know how to craft a very specific character. And all the characters in this film are memorable. None feel like the other ones. You don't have just a group of people that all kind of feel the same. They all have their very own unique personalities. And even if they're not on screen um, for a particularly long time, they really, really stand out, Um, especially Tony Collette and uh david strathern playing that couple that he lives with for the first act of the film yeah um they really are not on the screens for a terribly long amount of time and are just absolutely fantastic in the movie like i I, their performances are are amazing yeah um the first act of this film actually might be my favorite i Mm -hmm. was so enthralled in the first part and although i liked the kind of um swanky you know, late thirties, early forties, New York city setting, the, the Gothic carnival just can't be matched in terms of just a beautiful backdrop to this, to this story. And just such a, such a mood setter. Uh, I, even though his dialogue throughout the first 20 minutes of the film is, is minimal, just Mm -hmm. this character, the mystery behind him, what he wants, he seems to be quiet and reserved yet when given the opportunity he seems like he wants to shoot for the stars and it's just such a a a convincing and compelling character and watching him kind of go from place to place and character to character in this whole world of things he's never experienced before like a carnival Mm -hmm. and learning from all these characters he's interact with both good things and bad things there's side characters in this film that really show off kind of the worst of how you can treat people uh, specifically Willem Dafoe's character yeah. is a pretty horrible person. Yeah. And he he goes into pretty grim detail about kind of who he is and how he operates and what he needs to do to do what he does. And I know that's vague. I don't want to go into a lot of details, but it's yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty disturbing just listening yeah. to it. Yeah. And yet, man, he's great. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you can't take your eyes off him. He's such yeah. a compelling character. Um and watching Stan Bradley Cooper's character, you know, go about and learn from each of them is just absolutely enthralling. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens sometimes in movies like these, almost like what happened in West Side Story, is this main character, because they're the guy, you know, they're the main guy, they need to be so charming and charismatic, which Bradley Cooper is. He's silver tongued, he's 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 charming, he can he can you know, hook anyone into doing what he wants them to do in just a, in just a couple of words. Um, 
but because they're supposed to kind of be the guy all the time, mm-hmm. when they have such strong supporting characters around them, such distinct supporting characters, sometimes they can kind of feel like just a, a, a vague shape of a character themselves because you have someone like Willem Dafoe, someone like Tony Collette, just putting out these very distinct, unique yeah. characters, then kind of a straight man like Bradley Cooper might kind of get lost in that. I think in West Side Story, that's part of the problem is mm-hmm. you surrounded uh, a, a Enzo Elgort who, who thought he was kind of supposed to play the straight man with characters mm-hmm. who were playing really bold things totally. and it made him kind of shapeless. Yeah. This movie did not happen. This is the best work Bradley Cooper has put out. And I do not say that lightly. I am still in the camp that he 100% should have won best actor for a star is born in yeah. 2018. I think that was a beautiful performance and yeah. just everything he did with that film. He definitely deserved it. Um, however, I honestly think this is his best performance to date. He holds the entire film. Mm-hmm. He is he is charming. He's charismatic. He is despicable. He is everything. And yeah. just locks you in for a two and a half hour movie. Mm-hmm. Just locks you in the entire time. Um, oh, so good. He was amazing. I, amazing, yeah. yeah. I do think that the film drags a little bit in the second act. Yeah. Uh, right towards the middle of the film, like I said, when they do move to New York, I think that there are... Um, just yeah things that are indulged in a little Mm -hmm. bit too much they Mm -hmm. didn't need to be Mm -hmm. however this is followed up by an impressively strong third act where Mm -hmm. things really go off and the horror elements that del toro is known for get to start to come into play a lot more you thought that this this dark uh kind of gothic carnival setting was was the horror part of this psychological thriller no, no, it was yet to come and yeah. it rears its head and it comes with a lot, a lot of narrative payoff that makes that dragging part in the middle of the film feel a little bit more earned. Mm-hmm. However, watching again, I still don't think it's perfect. Like thinking back to it, I still don't yeah. think it's perfect. However, the payoffs feel so earned that you're able to kind of forgive it for anything that it mm-hmm. felt like a little bit of a drag because once it gets going, it really gets going and it's yeah. such a satisfying ending and one of my favorite endings as mm-hmm. a, not just the third act as a whole, but truly the ending of the film, yeah. one of my favorite and most satisfying endings of the year, one of my favorite endings of any Del Toro movie. Some of his movies have either just near perfect endings and some of them such as Shape as Water have really disappointing endings in my mm. part or in my mind. This is not the case. The ending really recontextualizes a lot of what you saw before. Like I said, it makes you reconsider not only the pacing of the film and how you felt about certain parts, but things that happened and the way characters were acting. And it almost demands a second watch. This same as West Side Story, like Heather said, I cannot wait to get out there and watch it again because Mm -hmm. it is so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is oh, I've already given out two 10 out of 10s for the year, (laughs) so that just feels like one is already mm. a rarity. I'm going to say nine and a half out of 10 that mm. might bump up by the end of the year. It might bump up with a second viewing. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I love Del Toro. I've been a huge fan of his work and this <clears throat> just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best films of the year. You need to go see it guys. Yeah. I, I just went and saw this today. So it's fresh in my mind. Um, I, agree with everything that you've said. It is visually a treat to watch and to look at. Um, I 100% agree with you that the, um, beginning and ending felt 
the most strong to me. The middle did drag a bit and in a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. It's bound. That's to like, it's bound to happen. Um, however, now having seen the full thing, I also agree that I think it deserves a second watch because I think, I think not only the middle, but also the beginning gave us a lot more than I think I realized it did mm-hmm. as I was watching it. So again, I think now having seen the whole thing, I want to go back to see what I missed <laughs> or like to see what it was telling me right. before I, before I realized it was trying to tell me something. So um, yeah, the, the cast is phenomenal and so stacked, especially um, the performers in the carnival portion. They were just fantastic. Tony yeah. Collette is, I mean, she's incredible in she's just amazing yeah. everything she does, but um, this was a, a really great role for her. Um, and then Willem Dafoe, again, he's this, he, I wonder what he's like in real life. I, I think he's not too dissimilar from, <laughs> from, from his characters. characters he plays. I, I think he, Oh my gosh, his voice because also I mean he's he's the Green Goblin in, yeah. in Spider-Man, which yeah. we, we just reviewed. And yeah. Oh, I I I, I oh he's just so good. He's was, such a compelling care actor. Yeah. I yeah. was listening to Chris Stuckman's review of uh of Nightmare Alley. Did you listen to it? I did, yeah. And how he said that he envisions a world where uh this character is just kind of a different version of his character from the lighthouse. lighthouse, And I was like, yeah, 100%. Like that this is just what he could have been up to. (laughs) Yeah. If, if he was just like a little bit more attached to civilization, still like detached from society, but a little bit more that that is like possibly what he became or was totally. Yeah. I was talking with someone this week about Willem Dafoe and I, I had this thought this week. What did he look like as a child? Oh, I because no he he is just physically such a distinct person and honestly I feel like his physical appearance plays so much into his, his characters and his the, yeah. yeah the presence that he has when he plays some of these characters and I just wonder what little you know when you baby see those, Willem Dafoe look you like. see those pictures of babies that look like 30 yeah you're like, that's does that baby He's have just a five o'clock shadow? Like yeah, you're like, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's like, what, and oh, he just, he has such a distinct uh, look, but especially such a, such a distinct voice mm-hmm. and like things like the lighthouse, the way he is able to just, I'm not even going to try to replicate it, but just, oh, the way he just commands his lines and just yeah. grabs the script by the throat and just forces it to the audience is so compelling and both these movies that we're reviewing today he gets to do that Mm -hmm. like in in spider-man in as green goblin he like anyone who has seen the original films with him uh knows that green goblin voice that he does yeah and it's just so captivating it literally in the comic books and the movies has a power over people where it Mm -hmm. like entrances them in Mm -hmm. some way and it does so to the audience as well and then in this movie he's this this big boisterous kind of carny and he talks it like he'll have a conversation with people one-on-one not not carnival people like workers in the background and midway through he'll just all of a sudden be like well and like go into like this big yeah. carnival speech just yeah. to them one-on-one but it's like oh i love it i could hear him do it for days so good oh it's so, so good um and then just as much as i loved the beginning portion the end portion 
was nuts. Some of the things <laughs> that started happening. It's I so good. physically left my seat at one point. There was something that happened that was so shocking. <laughs> like, it just caught me off guard um, in the best way. Yeah. Uh, and then, wow, just the, the, I don't even know if I want to mention just the, the yeah. storytelling nature sure. of this was just so masterful. And like you said, just oh. a perfect ending just so perfect ending suspenseful tragic yeah just horrifying the the development of Bradley Cooper's character Mm -hmm. I I could not decide throughout the entire film do I love him do I hate him could he be just the worst person I yeah I guess I don't know I don't know I don't know and just as you feel one way about him you think, oh, wait a second. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, maybe. Wait, no, maybe not. Wait, yeah. no, maybe. But yeah. not in a confusing or convoluted or or unstructured way, in just a masterful way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then last but not least, Kate Blanchett was so Fantastic. old Hollywood yeah. and just stunning. Some of the some of the shots of her the way that her face was angled, the lighting, that everything was like straight out of just a classic Hollywood film. Mm -hmm. So yeah, stunning. Um, I read a review today that was talking about uh, Guillermo del Toro and his stylish atmosphere, a certain fantastical creepiness and characters that are a bit outside of the norm. And I felt like that was just a great description of just what he does and what he creates. And although different from like a traditional monster story, monster centric story that we may see, I mean, one could argue that this too is that just different. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Like I said, the movie ultimately is about like the depravity of man and the way that we will treat one another and ourselves. Yeah. And you know, movies have shown time and time again that the greatest monster of them all is man us. and as us. Yeah. And, and this movie is, you know, he's, he's left behind monster movies to mm-hmm. make monster, monster movies. movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, it is just so good. So yeah. Nightmare Alley is uh, in theaters everywhere now. Um, it, it, actually, it might have somewhat of a limited release. I don't yeah. I want to count on it having a ton of showings near yeah. you, but you will be able to find it and you definitely should go see it. Yeah, for sure. All right. I think that wrapped things up. We made it through wow. three movies. If you, if you listened to all three reviews, you're still here with us. Well wow. done. Well done. Congratulations. Go get yourself a coffee. You deserve it. You deserve it. Unless it's like, unless it's like 1am, but like do that in the morning or something. Yeah. 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 Just when I said coffee, you probably thought of something that you wanted. Go get yourself that. (laughs) Go do that. (laughs) Yeah. Your, your respective treat. Yeah. Um, and Merry Christmas. My goodness. Christmas Christmas is is just a couple days away. It's a, it's a, a stone's throw away Mm. as they say, just around the river bend just around the riverbend. Um, Merry Christmas. Yeah. I, I, we, we here at two takes, uh, are so support or so grateful for your support. Um, and we hope that you just have the best holidays with, mm. uh, your loved ones and, um, those near you. 
Yeah. If you get matching pajamas with your family, send us a photo. We'd love to, uh, we'd love to see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love that. (laughs) Anyway, Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays from here, from us here at two takes (laughs) on film. Go watch as many movies as possible and we will talk to you next time. Bye. really bad for you Mm. (laughs) i'm gonna go grab a tissue before we start or a couple tissues okay how do you make a tissue dance put a little boogie in it have you picked your nose recently or are you one of those people who is publicly very against nose picking because i feel like some people are, they like say that they're against nose picking, but then they do it in secret. They never confess to it. Everyone nose picks. I'm confident. Do you have any vivid memories of ever eating a booger? I don't think I do. I don't think I was a booger eater. You're back. Are you back? Then I saw your reflection in the window or someone else's just, oh. If I need to blow my nose while you're talking or something, I am going to mute my end. <laughs> that feels like...